Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. So for, for our listeners, obviously, this is this is very important that they know that my camera might be a little shaky um, because, because my desk isn't sturdy anymore. Yeah. Because, because the desk was sitting on top of the rug here in my room, in my office. But it's not anymore because I had to pull the rug up. And you pulled the to, rug out from I under pulled, it? I pulled the rug out from under it. <laughs> and uh, so we had this like pad underneath the rug to like kind of help, help it stay in place, uh, which in theory was a really great idea, particularly with the hallway runner. Sure, sure. Um, because, you know, concrete floor, uh, just an area rug is going to slide around, right? Right? Um, yeah. So I theoretically. Mean, yeah. A rubber pad underneath was the the right call. Um, no, like in this room, the rug didn't move because there was nowhere for it to go, because um, it basically fills the room. But in the hallway, it still just slid all over the place. Um, which, all right, fine, manageable. We have to to fix the rug every now and then. It was still a little bit squishier to walk on. That was kind of nice, except trying to pull that pad off the concrete floor. After two years of it just like bonding with the concrete. Being smushed into, being melded into the molecules. Literally down on the ground with like a paint scraper, scraping the rubber off the concrete. And then like coming through with like steam mop and like, uh, like a, a, like kind of heavy bristle brush and some fabuloso and just like multiple passes at this shit and like, eh. It's not good, my friend. It's not good. All <laughs> um, had to say when I when I put the rug back down, I just didn't put the desk back on top of it. I just let it flop back on top of the legs of the desk, and so now the the desk's a little uneven. <laughs> uh, you know, so much like your rug, I am also more squishy to walk on now uh, than I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing, you know, I, I we're for, we're 41, you know, mm -hmm, we, mm -hmm. we're roughly the same age, you know, exactly three weeks apart, three weeks. Yep. And, uh, you know, but 
I never really think of like, oh man, I'm so old or anything like that. Like, oh, there's been moments where I'm like, oh shit, I'm in my forties. Like, this is yeah. crazy, you know, but there, I never really like feel, you know, I'll, a few things, you know, like my knee will hurt when I go upstairs and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I've been walking upstairs for 40 years. Makes sense. Yeah. You know? Uh, but today I, uh, was, I, you know, I don't sit normal. I normally perch like a bird places or, you know, cuddle. True. I can't sit like a normal person. True. Uh, that went viral on TikTok, by the way, <laughs> or on Instagram, actually. That went viral on Instagram, um, that post I made. But, uh, yeah, so I don't normally sit normal. But today, I, like, tucked my right leg under me, just like normal, like I would normally would, just kind of tucked it under me and sat down. Sure. But somehow that motion caused me to pull a muscle in my ass. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, it was like the one moment where I was like, oh, right, yeah. right. We uh, we are 41, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, crazy times. I definitely, um, up until recently, tended to feel more than my age more often, but like, you know, a number of things getting physically and mentally healthier uh, has has mitigated that a bit. But I just know it's all going to come like catching up to me in like five years. It's just getting like a like a sack of bricks to the face. Yep. <laughs> yeah. There was always that, you know, everyone when I was younger, you know, because I, you know, I was super skinny and everyone's like, I mean, I'm still skinny, but I was super skinny, you know, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. everyone was always like, yeah, well, just wait. When you hit 30, that metabolism is going to stop. And at 30 years old, I was still weighing 120 pounds. Like I was so incredibly light. I was wearing size zero girl jeans, you yeah, know, like yeah. I w my metabolism was not slowing down. But then I hit 40 yeah. and I started looking down and being like, oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> maybe it will be a salad today for lunch <laughs> instead of two slices of pizza. I gotcha. All right. All right. We're doing this. <laughs> so I just have to be more aware of those sort of things now. Whereas, you know, 20, 30, I was like, pizza for lunch and Chinese for dinner. Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's stopping me and then four cupcakes in between you yeah. know and that was that and now i'm like well i had a cupcake yesterday so i'll have to wait at least two days to have another one yeah i'll, I'll tell you what arthritis was a rude awakening <laughs> yeah yep yeah that was that's a rough one let me tell you uh, uh but this is the this is the the too old podcast this is not the too old podcast this is the <laughs> Never heard of a podcast. I'll do the formal intro after this. Uh, but speaking of age, much like our movie today, I too get more boring as I go along. Oh. And that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight. And I'm a 1909 penny with a heart painted on it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're continuing on our month of indie darling films. Yeah. Uh, and today we are covering the film Big Gold Brick, um, yeah. which uh, is available streaming on Hulu as of time of recording this in America. Um, this is, you know, I thought about, uh, I had a bloody good time at house Harker when the end of this movie happened, because I was like, you had a really great opportunity to tie the title into a thing in the movie. Right. And you didn't. And I just don't understand. I don't understand the movie title. And then I don't understand the book title either. Cause nothing referenced. It just didn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so first of all, uh, my how the turntables, um, <laughs> because it is usually me sitting here saying, what the fuck, Michael, what did you make me watch? <laughs> uh, and like the, the, it has happened before, although, uh, you know, I am, I am proud to say not as frequently. Uh, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. one was my fault. Um, <laughs> I looked at the cast, I looked at the IMDb description and I thought, yeah, this is going to be fun. And it's right? it's described as a cerebral comedy. Uh, my friends, when I tell you, this was neither. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you're right, though. You look at the cast of this, and it's Andy Garcia, fucking uh-huh. legend. Uh-huh. Oscar Isaac, fucking legend. Yes. Megan Fox, fucking legend. Lucy yes. Hale, on her way to be a legend. Yeah. Like, this is a great, great cast. It you know, and the writer been... of this... A slam dunk? should have been. Yeah. And the writer of this was was uh, one of the characters in um, Bridesmaids. He's super funny in that. So, like, he clearly, he knows comedic timing. But, like, this, and and the plot of this movie. So, you know, just, just to, to give you, the IMDb description for this movie is fledgling writer Samuel Liston and his experiences with Floyd Devereaux, which they never say his last name, uh, the enigmatic middle-aged father of two who enlists Samuel to write his biography. Mm-hmm. And the poster is all sorts of bonkers. You know, they're yeah. like in space, you know, Oscar Isaac has like, you know, kind of like a, uh, he has glasses on, but like one of them's fogged out, you know, like, and he looks like kind of like a, a colonial, like he looks like a character from the movie Wild Wild West with yeah. Will Smith. Like he looks yeah. like one of those characters. <laughs> Big bushy you know, like, beard and right curly hair, like almost like uh, looking like Taika Waititi sometimes. Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and like it just, you know, and the 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 guys like the main character is holding a Santa Claus, but they're in like they're in space, right? And like Lucy Hale's there, she's holding a violin, or it looks like she's supposed to be holding a violin, but her hand is if a really. Little, really awkwardly placed. <laughs> She's like, hold, yeah, it's just really weirdly placed. It obviously was, you know, uh, composited in. Um, and, you know, again, it seems like this would be a really quirky, like I was getting like Wes Anderson vibes from, yeah. from the description, the, tr- the, um, the poster, the cast. I was like, oh, got it. This is going to be like a really weird Wes Anderson type movie where it's everybody's eccentric and weird and it's going to be cool and stylized. I get the feeling that maybe so. Uh, Brian Petzos was the writer and director. The one you mentioned was Pete in uh, uh, Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids, yeah. I was like, I, I knew that, and then I second guessed it. Um, I I get the feeling that maybe that's what he was going for. Uh, was trying to do like a, a Wes Anderson meets Donnie Darko sort of thing. Maybe I like I don't, but. That's just a guess because none of that happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was really weird. And you know what else? Uh, do you know who executive produced this film? Who? Kristen Wiig. You son of a bitch. Which makes sense. Bridesmaids. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but like, uh, I got to tell you, this one had a lot of promise, mm-hmm. but it definitely did not, it didn't deliver. I sat there the entire two hours and 12 minutes of this film wondering, when does it become a comedy? When does it start? I did not laugh once. 
and this I, entire movie. And I don't know I'm that. Trying like, to think, I did one time, and I forgot when it happened. I just one time, I was like, "Huh, maybe it was when the cop shot the tire." I don't know. Uh, and they were like, yeah, they didn't want to do the paperwork. And I was like, I thought that was funny, but that's about it. With, uh, with like very, very limited exceptions. I don't think that there's been any times, like even in the worst films that we've watched where I didn't find at least something chuckle worthy or like notable, but especially I just, in a movie that's trying to be a comedy. Yeah. I just, I was it though. Because I there mean, was, there were no jokes. There was no comedic timing. There was no the, like, the the yeah the the cop shooting the the tire out and running off with the cash was the closest thing but like that was in the middle of such like a serious moment that like it wasn't like it, if it was supposed to be funny it didn't hit it didn't land yeah I, so you know to kick this movie off uh, the first thing we see is is uh, the main character Samuel um, he is distraught now here's the thing I. I don't ever want to shit on actors, right? I don't want to do that because it's not fair to them. You know, it's mm-hmm. not nice. It's not nice. I'll, I'll, we'll criticize a movie because a lot of people had their hand in that movie. Sure. And it's kind of like a, you had a lot of people that this went through and it still kind of didn't, didn't take. And stuff like that happens all the time. Movies sure. fail, you know, don't work all the time, even if, you know, best laid plans or whatever. I didn't like the main character. I don't like, I don't like people who act the way he likes because he's that like, oh, the louder I am, the funnier it is. And Mm -hmm. I don't like comedy like that, which is why I don't like a lot of, uh, like half of Adam Sandler's films. Oh, no. Because he is is one of those, you know, comedic actors where it's like, the louder I am, the funnier it is. And that is obnoxious to me. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why Mm -hmm. I don't like Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, The Waterboy, like all of those films. I like... You know, funny people, uh, wedding singer, fifty first dates. You know, because that's like especially funny people. I think it's an incredibly underrated film, but it is one of those films where like he is subtle, he is good. The writing is really good. It's not just like I'm gonna scream a thing and use fake words. You know, that's like oh, I get it. Ah, it's funny. It's like just lowbrow humor for me, and I just I can't jive with it. But that's how this main character was. He was just like a. I'm going to scream and flail about. And I'm like, I like, dude, what are you doing? Like have a personality, like be, be something like you're just, you're just screaming all the time. And like, it's terrible. Hot take inbound. I think punch drunk love was Adam Sandler's best movie. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) See, I like Spanglish Uh, punch drunk love adapted or not adapted. Um, uh, anger management. Mm -hmm. Like I love those films. Those are great. Those are his good films because he's not Adam Sandler in them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the character of Samuel played by Emery Cohen is, is played to be, how are we going to be generous uh, with this? Play, played to have some mental health struggles. Um, and when I say that, I am being kind to this character because it's written like a fucking caricature of someone having a breakdown and like not even remotely believable on unless, unless you take him and code him as, you know, perhaps like somewhere on the spectrum, in which case the meltdowns that he has are believable, but that's not believable to the rest of his characters, like how he's written. And so like, you you gotta pick a lane to try to like explain this character's actions and they don't do it. 
Well, the worst part about it is that they have a really good excuse. They have a good way to paint why he is so weird, why he is doing the things he's doing and having outbursts and stuff like that. But they really like don't lean into it as much as they do. So in the very beginning of the movie, you know, it's being, uh, you know, monologued, uh, voiceovered by uh, Samuel. And he's talking about like, I don't really remember much that night, but I know I was very distraught. And, you know, I, I hadn't paid rent in five months, you know, nothing was working, you know, basically he's at dire straits at this point and he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm just done. I'm done with the world. So he's feeling, you know, uh, suicidal thoughts. And so he packs a bag and he, he writes a, a suicide note that just says, I'm done with this world. Um, and he he says, I am dome with this world is what he writes. Um, he, you know, packs a suitcase. He starts wandering down the street. He's super drunk. And then we see, uh, you know, uh, Floyd. Floyd is driving in his car, eating this uh, custard, the, you know, this really good custard, which will come into play in a little bit. And, you know, Floyd is driving around the car. He's, you know, paying attention, but like all of a sudden he starts coughing and he's driving and Samuel sees his car coming and steps in front of his car and gets hit by the car. First mm-hmm. off, it would have smashed his legs. Yeah. He would have his legs would have been broken um, because, like, Floyd didn't stop. He's going like full speed into him. It would have literally snapped his legs in half. But anyways, yeah, I mean, Samuel like rolls over the like the windshield over the roof. Like it is, it is a pretty brutal collision. Yeah. So and one of his shoes goes flying off. Um, and uh, so. He gets hit by the car and he has this traumatic brain injury. You know, Floyd gets him to a hospital. You know, he's he's undergoing surgery. He's being taken care of. He has a broken arm. He's got a gash on his forehead. And they're like, yeah, you know, hey, listen, like his brain injury is pretty bad. Like he may not be the Samuel he used to be and he may never get back to that point. Like even after he heals. And I'm like, there's your reasoning for sure. making him act the way he does but they don't play it that way at all. Except like the, the the biggest problem with that is like Samuel doesn't interact with a single person who would have known him before. So like how are we the audience and how is anyone that he interacts with supposed to know if he is if it's like fundamentally changed by this traumatic brain injury or not because no one knows him from before the collision. Literally no one. We don't. We see him minutes before and we yeah. see him far after but we don't know anything about him. Floyd doesn't know anything about him. And like, presumably the doctor that he talks to like knows a little bit because he shares like entirely too much information with Floyd. Uh, But then we never see that doctor again. So there's no point of comparison for that. All we have is like, okay, traumatic brain injury. So like, he's going to act different, but different how? Different than what? Yeah. Right. Like exactly like different, different how? Uh, yeah, so that, so right off the bat, you know, this is where I was like, when it happened, when he does get hit and the doctor said that, I was like, okay, cool. I was like, maybe this is going to be like a very trippy experience where he's recovering from traumatic brain injury and maybe he's going to start seeing shit. Cool. I get what, you know, I was like, again, Mm -hmm. this is me in the first couple of minutes of the movie. I was like, this is where the trippiness of the movie comes in, right? Is because he's hallucinating it all or everything is weird. And then we meet Floyd. And uh, Floyd is played by Andy Garcia, um, who uh, Floyd, you know, after hitting him with his car was, you know, sticks around, by the way, um, which is very nice of him. He gets him flowers and he says to him, hey, look, the doctor told me some stuff, you know, it seems like you're a writer. I'm looking for someone to write a biography about me, like come live at my house with my family. 
I'll pay you a stipend, you know, I'll pay you a, a weekly thing, you know, so you get, you get money, you can have money or we do a cash advance and I want you to write my biography. And I was like, okay, cool. So then Floyd is super eccentric and weird and he's into like a lot of weird things, which is mm -hmm. what I was expecting, which is not what happens. And it was the most disappointing thing about this movie. Oh, yeah. I was like, you have such a great opportunity to make a crazy eccentric character out mm -hmm. of Andy Garcia, to utilize Andy Garcia like that, to have him be over the top eccentric, like into really weird things. Like he's super into high school basketball. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of quirky. Like get weird with it. Like the potential for this character should have been Dustin Hoffman in Stranger Than Fiction. Like, yeah, that level of quirk and just like whatever comes out of his mouth, like you, you like never saw that coming. Um, yeah. like that's what is set up. And that's what like in the early, like when, when he does start talking to him and when he does finally start kind of dictating some early notes for the biography, that's really what's implied. Like, oh, I had this shadowy past. I worked with the government, the military, like, but I'm not ready to talk about that yet. So like, okay, like this guy's done some shit. Like he has seen some shit, like, and no payoff. And the okay. worst part about it in, you know, so spoiler for the end of the movie, only because it's relevant to the conversation of throughout, uh, it turns out that he is just a low level con man. Um, he hasn't done any of the things he said. He works security at some like government facility, like it, like security guard, like just carry around a baton type security. Yeah. You know, he, he used to be a car salesman, used car salesman, but he specifies he like, never I, sold used. I never sold used. Like you, that's the one thing that he defends himself against when like there's eventually like a litany read of all of his offenses. And the thing is, is like, he didn't, it was underutilized in the fact that he could have lied about having this insanely big, crazy life. Like maybe he tells all of these grandiose stories mm -hmm. and then in the end we find out he was lying and that would have been interesting. Yeah. I would have been more into that because he tells mediocre stories, barely. We barely even really hear any stories about Floyd at all. He sure. never really tells any, we don't hear any like crazy stories or any stories really in general. And then, you know, we get to the end where he's like, you lied about all of it. And I was like, yeah, but why would you like your lies were just as boring as the truth? Like it Seriously. wasn't like, what did you lie about? Like, it just didn't make any sense. And it was very disappointing because I was like, there was no juxtaposition. There was no, you know, there was no journey to it. Like when you find out he's lying, I was like, this is so boring. Uh -huh. <laughs> like uh -huh. you were, you were even more uninteresting now. Like you know, like if he had told crazy big stories when he lied, I would have been like, he's a kook. This is great. He is, this is, this is great. Like, I love the idea of like a person lying into all this. And then, so like on top of that, we've got Floyd's family, which are presented again as though like they're all going to have some like big important roles are like, they're like, they're the quirky family. You know, they're the, uh, what was the, the fucking Tenenbaums, yeah. uh, the fucking Tenenbaums. That's the movie. That's the name uh, of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but instead what we actually get is, um, Edward, the like metalhead pyro who's fucking up in school and hates his dad. Okay. But like, it's just like really stale delivery on everything. And like, I'm not like, I'm not even coming for Leonidas uh, who played this character. Uh, it just felt like really stiff writing and that resulted in really stiff delivery. And like, he would just show up. Yup. Yup. And then walk away. 
Yeah, he had no lines in the movie. Like, he yeah. really didn't. Yeah. We have uh, Lucy Hale playing Lily, who... Oh, my God, it's been a while since I've seen such a fucking, like, straight out of the book stereotype of this is the pretty girl that the main character is going to end up with for literally no reason, who has no purpose on screen other than to be attractive to him. That's it. Like, that alone, like, was enough to make me say, fuck this movie. Like, that's just lazy, boring, bad writing. Uh, and then, of course, Megan Fox playing the the trophy second wife uh, who is cheating on the side. Yeah. And again, like also really only serves to be like a sexual object. Like she seduces or tries to seduce Samuel at some point. And like, I am sorry. That is not a believable scenario. I don't care how bored she is with this relationship. Yeah, I'm sorry. Here's the thing. If I was married to Andy Garcia, even if he was mean to me, this dude is not who I would cheat on Andy Garcia with. Andy no. Garcia is a great looking guy. Like he's, he's a, a really good looking guy. Even if he was distant and maybe kind of a dick, I'd be like, yeah, but like if I can pull Andy Garcia, like I'm not going after your ass. Like, Well, and we see repeatedly that she's, uh, she's cheating with a, a, a young uh, paralegal at her law firm when she's quote unquote working late to avoid the traffic, which, you know, in, Floyd knows that that's a cover. He doesn't care because he's got something going on the side, too. It's one of those stories, which, again, okay, we've seen that a hundred times. Like, what? Like what's new here? Um, but, yeah, so, like, we, we know that she, like, is, like, is ha- like, having an affair on the side with a young and handsome man at her law firm. Why does she come for this, like, schlubby, gross, like, unshowered dude who is, like has a, a like a, a meltdown just looking at her uh, and like it's this is not a believable scenario and it was just it just felt gross the other thing about the Lucy Hell character that also drove me crazy is they described her as like this crazy cokehead promiscuous mm-hmm. like constantly drinking and we never see any indication of that whatsoever no. she is like works at a library she's yeah. super nice like she, yeah. she, there's no indication that that story is true. So it was really weird when twice somebody describes her as that. And I'm like, what? But yeah, like, so she isn't that at all. She had this promising career as a musician. She was a talented violinist. And like, as happens, they, they basically made it sound like it was an inevitable thing that because she's a woman trying to, trying to, you know, trying to make it in the world, she was going to have a meltdown and she got into to booze and Coke and had her meltdown and smashed her violin and left music forever. And like, now she can't be trusted, but like, yeah, she just, she works in a library. She's super fucking sweet. The, the two lines that she has. And of course, like that's the, they make Megan Fox's character be like, oh, well, you know that she's she's a deeply, deeply troubled little cocor. I'm like, fucking why? Who are Do you, we, Jacqueline? Right. Who are you even? Right? Like, you're not only cheating on your husband with someone you work with, but then you attempted to cheat on him with a person that he invited into his house. And yeah, like, that's the thing is, like, she is saying these things about Lily because Samuel is rebuffing her advances. And she's like, it's Lily, isn't it? You want to fuck her, I know, but you have to know that she's a she's a deeply, deeply troubled little cocor. Like, who, who wrote this? I know who wrote this. It's Brian Petzas. Uh, and Brian, <laughs> fucking shame on you. 
Yeah. Like, do better. Like, try. It was was really weird. It was very, very weird. Like, the women characters were not... All of the... Every female character in this movie was treated as nothing more than an object. Later, Uh we see... Um, uh, the Kimmy, uh, who is the a masseuse that uh, that Floyd is sleeping with. Yep. Um, and she literally he just spends the entire time like objectifying her to her face, uh, and then later you know is like, yeah, I, I love her to death. And you're like, why? Uh, like, then you've only talked about her body and you know that she's good at massaging. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, who is she fucking? What is she like? Of course, there's also the the anti Asian racism uh, about like you know oh she she works at the old rub and tug and like right fucking like very stereotypical. What what value did that did that make did add to your movie? What value at all, Brian? Yeah, like <laughs> Brian, Mister Pet Sauce. I'm honestly getting angrier the more I talk about. It. Like I walked away from this film annoyed, but now I'm just getting angry and. So here's another big plot point about this. So we yes, know thank that <laughs> we know that Samuel has a crazy traumatic brain injury. Uh, and then at one point, Floyd is telling the story. He holds up a penny and he's like, this is a 1909 penny, mm-hmm. you know, very rare in mint condition. It's worth, you know, a thousand dollars or something like that. You know, and he's like, he's like, but this one's not worth anything because, you know, my daughter Lily she thought it would make me happy if she painted a heart on it. Really cute sentiment. Really cute yeah, sentiment. I, 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 you know, that's a story I was like, oh, that's really cute. You know, like, and he's like, and it's, you know, it's it's worth nothing, but it's priceless to me. And I was like, very loving story. I love this story, like this part. Like that was really, I enjoyed that because I was like, it's touching. It adds depth to his character. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives, it gives, you know, a little bit of more uh, a depth to their relationship. And I was like, this is great. Do more of this. Um, and then the penny is sitting on the desk. And for some reason, Samuel now starts like, you know, freaking out and like focusing on the penny, his nose starts bleeding and then lightning strikes down and strikes the penny and it disappears. It seemingly gets blown to bits. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I could not find a reason, even, even though this is, that was sort of like our Chekhov's gun, uh, where, why this part of the story was needed because, and this is again, because I expected weird Wes Anderson style, like eccentric, mm-hmm. super quirky, surreal comedy, but the whole film is not that. So this one part of the story seems so out of place, so incredibly out of place that it's like, what is happening right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like add into that, there's these like trippy dream sequences. Like in, in uh Samuel's various hallucinations, he finds himself talking to a Santa Claus like garden gnome type statue. Uh and then he has a dream sequence of being like hunted down by like a, a man-sized Jawa in a grocery store uh, and then like falling through space and like landing on the earth as a charred body while he's sitting in the scene of a painting that's hanging in the room and like none of that makes any sense and like has the the tiniest bit of like you could almost call it payoff at the end but like it's not because there's, there's no like there's no direct reference. Like you have to forcibly make the connection. And I just like add on to that. 
like it just the the layers of weird just keep like you just keep pulling and you're gonna find more. It's like 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 a fucking onion. <laughs> the, the this movie Shrek. was like an onion. It's the, the, this is an ogre of movies, yeah. um, because there's a whole subplot around an obviously like late twenty something year old dude playing high school basketball, uh, and yeah, but the, the dude looks like LeBron James. Like he's yeah. like six seven and like you like, know full, full beard. beard. <laughs> yeah, like obviously a grown ass adult. Not just an old looking teenager, a grown man, and that is commented on, uh, not like not follow through. Like, we get no like story, just like, yeah, he looks old. Uh, anyway, uh, high school basketball is where it's at. Like, first of all, what the fuck? Uh, but there is one really kind of interesting thing that this film was like, it was shot in Toronto while the Raptors were winning the championship in 2019. And that's a more interesting fact than this entire movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the fact that the cast also, uh, uh, partied yeah. with it, uh, partied with that and that caused delays in filming. Uh, yeah. So this movie was, yeah, as you said, filmed in, in, uh, May of 2019, but didn't get released until 2022, which obviously, you know, by the time this film was probably ready to go, uh, you know, COVID had just hit everything uh-huh. kind of shut down. I would assume they probably wanted to do a theatrical run, um, at the time, which, you know, didn't, didn't pan out for pretty much anybody. Nope. Um, yeah. Uh, and it only did 24,000 worldwide gross. Uh, so yeah. Um, so that was, weird. so, so we learned that, uh, you know, um, Floyd is really big into this high school, high school basketball thing. You know, he's betting on the event. And as it turns out, some other weird eccentric guy who turns out to be way more interesting than Floyd, who is played by, um, Oscar Isaac, yes. uh, he ends up being the one who was betting on the high school sporting event as well. But we learn Floyd made beans, the, uh, the guy that, um, uh, the, the old high school basketball player, he basically paid him off and convinced him to throw the match, uh, completely throw the match because he basically bet against the team. It was like crazy odds. You know, he got a bunch of money off of his, a really big payoff uh, for it. But now Oscar Isaac's, you know, character brings him in and is like, Hey, you owe me money. And he was like, what do you mean? He was like, because I know you, uh, you threw the match. Um, and he was like, well, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, okay, either, uh, you go kill this guy for me, this, this, uh, ambassador type of political guy that's coming into town or no sense. Right. Or you pay me what you owe me, which turns out to be like, you know, just shy of a million dollars. And he says, yeah, and if you don't do either, I kill you. Um, this is where there's the more interesting part of the movie happens, but it's in the last 20 minutes of the movie. And it's like weird. Now, mind you, while all of this stuff is happening, we keep getting interstitials that, uh, that, you know, Samuel did in fact write this book. He Mm -hmm. did write the biography of Floyd, uh, Floyd Devereaux. He basically tells the story of how he met him and everything that they went through throughout this time. So we keep getting interstitials of him having interviews with people, like on a talk show, on a podcast, you know, where he's talking about like, and then, you know, he's sort of like chronicling the events that we're seeing play out uh, in, in, on screen, mm-hmm. um, which is also really weird. Uh, but, you know, so the book is huge, right? He, it sells a gazillion copies. He's now a very famous author because of this weird book. 
Um, so, you know, it's really weird. And uh, Oscar Isaac's character, who is uh, Anselm uh, Vogelweid, Vogelweid, uh, again, way m- the most interesting character in this movie is is Oscar Isaac. Like, mm-hmm. b- even just looking at him, like if I had, to, if you lined them all up, I would be like, "Who is that guy? He is interesting looking." And he has approximately three minutes total screen time. Yeah, and like, like a good chunk of it is is spent uh, killing his own cousin uh, and lawyer as a demonstration of like, if I was willing to do this to him, and he is my cousin. I'll do the same to you with glee. Like, oh, okay, this guy's creepy. But yeah. also, like, <clears throat> it, like, I get it. I do. But the trope of you've got a week to get me a million dollars plus interest or I kill you, like, how? And this to to the writer's point, Floyd says, like, how am I supposed to do that? He's like, I don't know, rob a bank? And I'm like... How is that practical? <laughs> How do like, you expect this fucking like halfway con man to like to get you a million dollars in a week? And the thing is, is this is such a small part of the movie. I mean, again, this is the last like 20, yeah. 30 minutes of the movie. There are entire movies with just that plot alone, right? Uh-huh. Like, I mean, Hundreds. Half of the Oceans movies are that plot. That is the exact plot. I have to rob this bank to get X number of money so I can do a thing. You know, Fast and Furious. That's basically the plot. That's the plot of those movies, but with cars. Like, <laughs> that. that's it, you know? So, like, it's so weird that they threw this plot in in the very end. And again, this is the thing where I'm like, this is a quirky, weird situation that they fall into. This could have been like every situation in this movie should have been at the level of this sort of plot, right? Yeah. Where it's just bonkers, you know, you know, weird, you know, crazy thing after crazy thing of scenarios they just keep running into that are just like, this doesn't happen. Like, this is not real life. This is surreal yeah. or whatever it is. Like, that's how the whole movie should have played out. It was so underutilized. Yeah, because like, Floyd gets his security guard buddy to be his driver because uh, Samuel rightfully refuses. Um, and in the process, like he accidentally shoots the the guy, like Floyd accidentally shoots the guy right before he goes in to, to rob the bank. And, you know, he goes in dressed in like, dressed up like an old lady with a mask and everything, comes out, is immediately caught by the police. Um, and the, then you have the scene that you referenced earlier where the police decide to uh, shoot out the, the tire uh, of the truck, which doesn't make any sense because they're, they're, they're not going, they're not trying to get away anymore. Uh, and they just take the money and it is written off as they didn't want to file all that paperwork. So the cops just took off with half a million each and the like, oh, sorry, we didn't catch the guy who was literally right in front of the bank still. Like, what? And then, of course, like Floyd has to drive his buddy to the hospital and leaves him there, runs away, like still in like the 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 dress and everything. Like, there is almost a comedic moment here. But again, like it's it's played so stiffly, and after uh, like an hour and forty five minutes of like non funny bullshit, that like I couldn't I couldn't find any humor in it. Yeah, it it, it is really unfortunate. Again, you know, like I think 
I think uh, um, Oscar Isaac's character is incredibly underutilized. You know, as I said, he's the most interesting character in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think if this plot happened earlier and then it was like, you know, failed cockamamie scheme after, you know, one after another of like yeah. how they're going to get a million dollars, that would have been really interesting. And yeah. Floyd writing about that. But again, I think back to Floyd's book, which is huge, by the way. Like, it's like dictionary-sized book that he writes. Like, we see the book, and it's fucking, like, 800 pages or something. It's an yeah. absurd amount. But I look back, and I'm like, what exactly did you write about, though? Because the only notable things, like, the thing is, is Floyd's not interesting. Mm -mm. Nothing he did was interesting. He didn't act that interesting. He's pretty straightforward. He's pretty just, like, kind of chill. He's a very just, like, chill guy. You know, he says things here and there but it's like not enough to write a whole book about you could write about the fact that you have this weird lightning teleport power um sure i mean i guess it only happens twice and like who's gonna believe that in a book anyways that's yeah. not gonna be interesting especially if you're writing a, a non-fiction well and after they spend so much time establishing that he hallucinates so much shit like how are we supposed to believe that that is real Right. And then and then at the end of the movie, you know, the the uh, Anselm's uh, guards, you know, guy comes to collect the money. It's the end of the week. And they're like, hey, Floyd, like, here we are, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me go get you the money. He's like, OK, you've got 90 seconds or like I got to come in and, and do stuff. And he's like, OK, 90 seconds. You got it. I'll be right back. So Floyd goes and he, you know, he goes to his son and says, like, hey, you know, I've always loved you. Uh, and then leaves, the son just goes, okay, um, you know, and then he goes to his daughter, you know, he kisses her on the forehead, has a little moment with her, and you're like, okay, like, this is, this is gonna be it, like, he's gonna kind of succumb to his fate. Mm -hmm. And then he jumps out the back window and starts running away, which I think, you know, I was like, okay, uh, that's kind of in his character, like, that makes sense. Which also looked like it, it could have been played for comedy, because there's a moment where, like, Samuel still in the house. For some reason, the the gangster guy, the enforcer, just hangs out at the front door. Is not like, you know, I'm gonna follow you, or you know, like I'm not gonna I'm gonna make sure like no one else is here, or I'm gonna like take care of your family. Like none of the, like what you would typically see with like uh, an enforcer guy like this. He just hangs out. And Samuel's there drinking a cup of coffee, sees Floyd like hanging down from the the upstairs balcony and like drops in front of the this sliding glass window. And they look at each other, and there's like a, whoa, I've been caught sort of moment from Floyd. And then he just takes off running, which, okay, yeah, sure. He'll make, maybe he'll get away. But then Samuel, for some reason, like freaks out and drops the, the cup of coffee and it shatters. And that alerts the, the enforcer guy. And he comes back and sees that Samuel is now running after Floyd for, who the fuck knows why? And that is what tips off the the guys that are trying to kill Floyd that he's on the run. If, if Samuel just fucking stayed put, it'd have been fine. And he also is yelling, Floyd, yeah. Floyd, where are you going? And I'm like, dude, what are you doing right now? You're like, it's so just, bad at this. It just did not make sense. And so finally, you know, they're they're off in this like you know uh, basketball court or like parking lot area. And, you know, the gangster guy catches up to him, the other, and weirdly, there's, like, this Neanderthal, like, type character yeah. that's with them, but, like, 
that's also another one of those things where I was like, that would have been more interesting if the rest of your movie was weird, but it wasn't. Most yeah. of your movie was pretty tame and boring. And then you threw this character in and it's just like, what's the point, you know? But if he was among other weird characters, like if every character acted like this Neanderthal and Oscar Isaac's character, I'd be like, yeah, this totally makes sense. And I, I dig it, right? Like I would have been like, yeah, because everyone's weird in this movie. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. Everyone's pretty much fairly normal, except for Samuel uh, who was annoying, Oscar and this Neanderthal guy, right? So they find, you know, they they corner him in the parking lot. He he's running. The gangster guy, you know, shoots him. It shoots through uh, Floyd's leg. He drops to the ground, you know, and then you know they're they're walking up on him and about to shoot him. And uh, Samuel does his little, you know, psychic thing. His nose starts bleeding and he's focusing. And the clouds gather and lightning strikes down and hits uh, Floyd to which he uh, disappears um, completely. Uh, and, uh, you know, all that's left is a shoe. The The two gangster guys walk up. They see the big burn mark on the on the ground, and they're just like, man, well, he's dead. Cool, whatever. And they walk away and just completely ignore Samuel, by the way, mm -hmm. um, which was weird uh, because he was in on the, you know, he was like there too. Like they could have done something. Well, they, they do take a moment to shoot at the, the woods, even though they saw him just like get hit by lightning and disappear. So like that was interesting. They, they do that. And then they, they actually, they leave the, the Neanderthal looking guy behind and drive off. And he's just running in the woods, just like spraying machine gun fire. Um, which again, like that could have been a comedic moment. It wasn't, but it could yeah. have been. Yeah. Um, and we have to uh, acknowledge that uh, when we, we told the story about the the penny that uh, Samuel magically disappears, um, Floyd later finds it at the end of the driveway, and he doesn't tell Samuel until much later, uh, which I think is supposed to be the reason why Samuel is like, oh, I know what to do. I can, like, psychically move Floyd out of harm's way, and, like, then these guys will give up. But he doesn't know for sure that that's what what'll happen. Uh, for all he knows, that he he killed Floyd with a lightning strike. Yeah, that's our checkoff gun, uh, checkoff guns uh, moment, right? Where he's like, okay, cool. And so that the movie ends. You know, it's him. You know, talking about his book tour and like, you know, it's him like, you know, having read chapters and interviewing people about the book. And you know, the guy was like, oh, so what happened? And he's like, oh, well. Um, you know, uh, Lucy, right? Is the, uh, is Megan Fox? Uh, that's Jacqueline. Jacqueline. That's right. So Jacqueline remarries, um, you know, some, some accountant guy or something, and she moves to New York, uh, and she takes Eddie with her. Uh, uh, L Lily, uh, she, he's like, I don't know. She came and visited me and like, yeah, because, you know, because of his whole lightning thing, he like passes out blood coming out of his nose, you know, the whole deal. And he ends up going to the hospital. Lily comes and visits him in the hospital. And then he says, and I haven't seen her since it's a really weird, like the wording is really weird because it's hard to tell when the transition between telling a past tense story and when the present tense is yeah. happening so like when he says that he's like still voice he's still like doing a voiceover but then he sees her and i'm like well, you just fucking said that you haven't seen her since but like you're in the middle of like recapping this voiceover thing and she's standing right there yeah 
Um, you know, like this is so weird. It was really weird. Um, so yeah, so he eventually sees her, you know, and then he was like, yeah, you know, uh, Jacqueline swears that one of her friends saw Floyd in Vegas, but you know, obviously that wasn't true. And he's doing a signing of all the books and Floyd comes up to him and says like, you know, really great stuff, you know, really great stuff. And then what does he say to him? He says something like, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yep. And then he walks away. And of course, Sam Samuel does that really annoying way he acts where he's like over the top screaming and yelling and pointing. And I'm like, dude, fucking chill. Like you, you literally intended for this to happen. Mm -hmm. This shouldn't be a surprise to you. Mm -hmm. Like you, you made this happen. Like he should just be like, it should have been, it should have been an Alfred at the Paris cafe moment. Yes. It hundred percent should have been that moment where he's just like, a, a good stiff nod and, you know, thanks a lot. It was a great man or something like that. You know, like something, just very little, like nothing, but he just, he just has a complete, you know, freak out and it's like, come on, man. It, yeah. yeah. So this is, so here's the other thing. The name of the book is, uh, is called, uh, with gold bricks or what's it called? Uh, something like big that. Big gold brick. Oh, it's the name of the called, books. The name of the book uh, is called With Bricks of Gold. With Bricks of Gold. So there's the missed opportunity. Why do, first off, what do Bricks of Gold have any fucking thing to do with your entire movie? No Nothing. one ever mentions gold whatsoever. There's never a plot point about, you know, there's never a metaphor about big gold bricks. Nothing. And then you named your book not the title of your movie? Like so then name the book Big Gold Brick because the the plot of the movie is him telling the story of his book. Yeah. So have it be the same fucking thing. It didn't yeah. make sense. It no. those two things were so disjointed. I was like, I don't understand. Like why did you name them two separate things? Like it doesn't make sense. It it irked me a lot. Like I think failed opportunity behind like multiple failed opportunities. Honestly, like at every turn, it was a missed opportunity. The one one thing that I will say, and this is, this is a praise to the crew that was involved in making this film a reality. Visually, and like sound design, this was a like technically good film. Oh, yeah. The writing was terrible. The acting was subpar. The plot went nowhere. There was no humor. Um, but technically, it was a like a nice to look at and listen to film. Yeah, I mean, like production design, you know, it, very simple. Like you know, I said there wasn't, and not things weren't stylized like a Wes Anderson film, right? There wasn't a clear style, mm -hmm. but it was good, right? You know, uh, I think you know. Um, Visually, the camera work, great. There's a yep. lot of really cool camera scenes. The VFX, great stuff. Crisp audio, exactly you said. You know, good stuff, right? Good stuff. Um, but it's just the the other side of it is is what failed this movie uh, completely. Um, so that that's the biggest thing is like the plot, like the description of this plot. And if I tell you the story, if I say, yeah, it's about this guy 
who gets run over by this very eccentric man um, who was like, now you're going to be my biographer. And he tells him all these crazy far off stories, you know, where they get into weird scenarios as he's following him around. And then, you know, eventually, you know, they, they end up owing money to this gangster and he's got to come up with a million dollars. He ends up running away and escaping, but we don't know if he survived or not. And the guy ends up selling the book, you know, for a gazillion dollars. That is a really cool idea for a movie. Yeah. If you pull off the the eccentric, you have to have that sort of super stylized, you know, visuals, super stylized writing. Yes. Everything has to be over the top and weird and surreal. And none of that happened, which has made it a very boring story. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, shame. I, I have nothing more to add to that. Uh, you should not watch this movie. It's not worth the two hours of your time. It, and that's the thing. It's two hours and 15 minutes. Like, it is a long, long movie. Uh, it really does uh, go off. You know, uh, normally I could say, like, if you're into blah, you should watch it. If, mm -hmm. you know, if this one thing or maybe if that. But, like, honestly, I can't. I can't recommend anything about this movie because it just... Nothing happened. The only thing I could say is fast forward until the scene with Oscar Isaac. Watch just that one scene. Oh, which, <laughs> by the way, for some reason, Oscar Isaac's mansion gets hit by a meteor that night. Yeah. Why? Which... Uh, what what problem did that solve? I mean, the problem was solved, so I'm just not sure why that happened. I mean, it it's... Like, again, it's played to be comedy because they're eating the frozen custard um, at the end, which, like, that's a recurring bit. They're talking about, like, Samuel's father owns a frozen custard chain. Uh, another hot take inbound. I uh, I personally think that frozen custard is superior to ice cream. Uh, a vanilla custard with, uh, with hot fudge and peanut butter sauce? Mwah, perfect. Yeah. And then like no notes. Uh, but yeah, so they're, they're eating the custard and there's this moment where Oscar Isaac goes, oh, that really is delicious. Which again, like if this movie had been funny, that would have been a very funny moment. And I think that the meteor, it was supposed to be a callback to the dream where Samuel's body comes plummeting through the atmosphere and crashes into the ground. But like, there's not a clear connection there. It is heavily implied. Like they try to take you by the hand and lead you to that point. But like, you shouldn't have to do that. It should have just made sense, and it doesn't. And presumably, that's just like, okay, that's the end of any potential future threat from Anselm. But like... I guess. All right. I, I mean, know. we we stopped caring about him the moment Floyd disappears. Right. Because if they didn't go after Samuel, who was yeah. laying right there, so it was like, so there's no threat. Like, there's yeah. no reason he's going to go after any of them. Yeah. Um. I don't know, man. Well, either way, it, if everything we just described and you're like, no way, I want to watch this movie, it is available streaming on Hulu in America as it of sure time is. of recording this. It's called Big Gold Brick. Um, you know, so if if we didn't deter you, check it out. We're just we're just two people talking about movies. Maybe it's, you're like, you know what? Y'all are stupid and this movie's great. Cool. That's not what uh, every review says. Uh, we weren't the only one to give this bad review. So it has like a three on IMDb, you know, nice. so it's not, it wasn't a well-received movie, um, but maybe it's, it's your, you know, trash treasure metaphor thing, you know, maybe, maybe that's it. Great. Maybe. So. If you see Charm in this movie, I would love to hear about it. You know, hit us up. We're at NightShiftMG on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Let us know. 
uh, let us know what you thought of this movie. If you if you like this movie, plead your case because I really I really need to know what you see. Final thought: the title of this review on IMDb, trying to be Vonnegut but failing. Now, mind you, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we are in our 40s. I have personally only read one book by Vonnegut, and I hated it. Uh, and suddenly, this movie makes more sense. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so there it is, everyone. Hey, thanks a lot for listening. We super appreciate it. Sorry it was kind of a downer today, you know, but uh, I still have hope for the rest of our movies this month. Um, you know, our first one was great. I'm totally fine. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check it out. Of course, watch that movie. Uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, really, really great story. Pulled off really well. Uh, enjoyed it. Um, you know, this one, eh, maybe skip, maybe skip, but, uh, we've got a couple other really good ones coming up, um, which I'm really excited about some really quirky ones. So next up we have die in a gunfight, uh, which also has a really great cast. So I'm really excited to see about that one. We have, uh, necrotronic, um, which is, is coming up. This one looks kind of weird. Uh, and then the last one is, I think going to be more close to that sort of like Wes Anderson feel is last journey of Paul W.R. Mm. Um, so that's the rest of the movies we've got coming up for this month. All movies this month are available on Hulu in America as of time of streaming these episodes. So, uh, you know, give them a watch and of course hit subscribe. We've got brand new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Uh, you know, this past Sunday we talked about some stuff and it was exciting. Or this past Thursday we talked about stuff. It was exciting. So yeah. if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. Cause that'd be cool. What are you and then wait for? for next Thursday. It'd be good. Yeah, you should, right. you should You should. already be listening. I, I don't know why you're still listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks a lot for listening, everyone, and we will see you next time. Okay, bye.